Hello and welcome. Hi, BD Wong and other listeners. It's perhaps it's you. On Unofficial Unsolved Mysteries Rewatch Podcast. I'm Liz. And I'm Samantha. And we're here to rewatch and make commentary on the show that scarred you as a child, making you the anxious, paranoid adult that you are today. Join us. <laughs> what a journey we're on. <laughs> yeah. This is is this the second to the last episode of the season? It sure is. Wow. We well, are speeding towards the end. We're on season four, folks. Mm-hmm. Uh you can Go back to the beginning. Listen to us all the way here. See, see the yeah the the journey. You can hear <laughs> us not improve here. very much. Yes. You know what's wild to me? We've taken we took a few breaks at the end of last year, and some people said that they they like went back when we're doing like a re listen of yeah. our podcast, which yeah. is wi- that's wild to me. It's wild to me that anyone even listens in the first place, but that you would go back and listen again. Yeah. Is even wilder to me. And that we have like enough of a library of episodes. We have that there's like enough a- content to keep people entertained. I don't know. The whole thing blows my mind. We have more than a hundred episodes. That's wild. A hundred sort of professional episodes mm-hmm. that are out there and are free. They're episodes and you can listen to them. Those are true things. And you shouldn't complain that much because they're zero dollars and zero cents. It's really true. Uh, do we have any updates for the for BD Wong and other listeners listening at home? I don't think I have any updates. I have sort of an update. Okay, kind of. We got some notes on our last episode. Oh, the the diabolical mind condition. Mm-hmm. Uh, we heard from some people about the psychopath, sociopath, not really being a thing. Okay, tell me more. So the point that I got was that those conditions, however you want to categorize that, would now be considered part of antisocial behavior, but at different points of that spectrum. Okay. But I would still maintain that the fact that we don't call it psychopath or sociopath anymore means we realize that's the incorrect way to look at it. So I'd still say, no, that's not a thing. We, we learned and we got better. Yeah. And I think what's dismaying to me is that that's still used in like a criminal justice context context but wouldn't be used in like a medical context right so we're only using it to incarcerate people yeah i i understand the desire to have an explanation for people doing horrible things i understand why you want to know like what makes ted bundy ted bundy but they just don't think it's that simple i don't think you can just be like oh he was born with psychopath genes he's a psycho yeah I think it's more complicated than that, sadly. It's more complicated than that, and yeah, you're right. It's tempting to think that they're, they're those people are just born wrong, and not that they're more like us than we want to believe. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's easier yeah. to be like, oh, they're some people are just born bad, and it's not that there's things about our society that help sure embolden people like that. You know what I mean? It's just also, it's easier just to say, oh, they're just bad. We're coming at this. I realize not all of our listeners are in the United States, but we're in the United States where we've really shifted any sort of mental health resources. That's non-existent. We've completely focused on locking people up. All of that money and effort has gone into keeping people incarcerated forever. Right. So it's depressing to think of labeling people as psychopaths or sociopaths because that seems like just another way to lock people up and throw away the key and not care what happens to them. Yep. Um, now, granted, it was Unsolved Mysteries, like, super behind the times when that came out. I don't really know. But it's more of a, a frustration with, like, the current 
scheme of things. Also, is Unsolved Mysteries a doctor? Does Unsolved Mysteries get to diagnose people as psychopaths and sociopaths? No. That's yeah. why they're claiming... That's They were trying to hide behind this idea of diabolical minds. The word diabolical comes from the devil. <laughs> so I'm not actually sure that's, like, a ton better to right. be, like... This guy that's in prison for rape and fraud and murder has a devil mind. <laughs> okay, I guess. But the, the real problem with that episode is that it starts off with war propaganda, and that taints everything else. Even an amazing story of a woman acting like her own identical twin. Right. Which should have been my favorite story ever. But no, I was too mad about the war propaganda to appreciate it as a as a as a jewel in the desert. It's true. It's true. Uh, Liz is right. Liz is right. So that's my my update on that. Um if you are a super mystery solver on our Patreon, that's the five dollar tier. The coloring sheets for this month just went out. The guest artist Brian Duffy drew a f- drawing of Robert Stack for that us. That is out of this world. It's incredible. So, I just wanted people to know that if you sign up, you can still get it, because it's pretty great, and I'm sorry you don't have it already. (laughs) It's so good. He's in a trench coat, smoldering, he's got the smize in his eyes, he's in the fog. It's great. It's so good. It's really great, and if you have received the coloring sheet and have finished coloring it, please post pictures, tag us on Instagram, and I'll share it. I love seeing your finished coloring sheets. They're always really amazing. Or put it in our Facebook group or whatever. Yes, please post them. We would love to see it because it's it's so good. We really, really, really love it. I knew I had to bring in a guest artist to really capture Robert Stack, and man, it was money well spent. I agree. He did such a good job. So if you want to see more of his work, it's at Yadoff. Dot com. Check it out. So there's that. Um, should we do a little snack time? I think we should. I pulled some Kit Kats out of the snack drawer, and Liz and I both really want to try this one that looks kind of like either cheesecake or flan. I'm maybe? hoping flan. So these are our Japanese Kit Kats from Studio Crafty that she sent to us all the way from Ooh, Japan, and okay. there's different flavors I think you can't this get is here. Cheese. Oh, not like cheesecake. Just like cheese. Straight up, it smells Gouda. like cheese. I don't know if I want to eat this. Oh. It doesn't smell good at all. Oh. Or I'm going to okay, try Liz it. Okay, Liz is going to try it first, and I'm going to see how she reacts, because I really don't know if I'm going to like this. Pray for me, everyone. <laughs> know that I would like some of my ashes put in the pond at Hollywood Forever Cemetery what if I don't make it. What is this? Okay, I'm watching her face. Sometimes these don't smell like they taste. Mm. It actually tastes fine. Oh, does it? Okay, I'm going to try it. It smells way worse than it tastes. Oh, yeah. I think it's cheesecake. Why does it smell like Gouda? It smells horrific. It smells so disgusting. But when you taste it, not it there's enough, like, that. like, sugary stuff that it doesn't just taste like you're eating a Kit Kat that's flavored like cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be horrific. Oh, my other update, not really an update, but whatever, is that I woke up after our last episode came out to a message from Friend of the Pond Arden. Mm-hmm saying that she loved me, but if I ever used the phrase maggot party again, she was going to have to seriously reconsider our friendship. <laughs> so I just wanted to use the phrase maggot party. Hi, Arden. Some, for some reason, that phrase didn't even, like, jump out to me. Either while we were recording or when I was editing. We should have called like, the episode. Maggot party. Yeah. We should have called the episode maggot, maggot party. party. Should, okay, should we try one more because there's an apple? Kit Kat here. I've actually tried the apple. Do you so like you it? You can have all of it. Yeah. Okay. It just literally tastes like you are eating a Kit Kat and you also had like some leftover. Okay. Then I want to save mouth. that one for later since you haven't had. You already <laughs> had that, and I think we should try this one. Okay. Which 
I'm not sure. This might be red bean, but it has like a crust over it that looks like a, a nut or something. It might be chestnut. I'm not sure. Oh, it has a, it smells like peanut butter to me. Okay. I watched this video today. This is really unrelated, but it's just about like flavors of people in China making mapu tofu from scratch. Like they made the tofu and everything mm. the traditional way. And it was honestly so beautiful. Okay. This one's delicious. Oh my God. This is so good. We are the only podcast with that Kit Kat crunch. True. <laughs> That's Nestle, true. Where's their money? What do you think this one is? I don't know, but I like it. It's nutty. I will say that, but I can't pinpoint the it flavor. It might be chestnut and red bean, but also I might just be stuck on that because I saw that on the packaging and that was my guess. I don't know what that is, but I really like it. I like it. Delicious. I'll eat this apple one later. I love having snacks while we record. <laughs> it's so fun. Snack time. I got uh, Samantha for Christmas a uh, hat, a beanie from Jack the Stripper that literally just is a heart and it says snacks. I love it. It's one of my favorite hats. <laughs> it's amazing. I was like, oh, well, this is perfect. Because she does a little video sl- series called Sluts and, sl- Sluts and Slippers Getting Snacks, I think. <laughs> Instead of comedians and cars getting coffee, Sluts and Slippers Getting Snacks. It'll be like her and her friends like walking down the street to get snacks. Amazing. And so she made a hat that was just heart snacks. I appreciate anyway. her brand. I know. Everything she does is just so Amazing. good. Do we actually have to talk about Unsolved Mysteries now? I guess. Oh, are you going to taste these LaCroix? Oh, yeah. So I brought us some Lemoncello LaCroix, I'm which I've already excited. had. My, lo- my local grocery store had them, and I this is my favorite LaCroix. Okay, that's delicious. Isn't it good? I got it. I was really like... This almost this gets me back on the LaCroix train. Is this just going to taste like lemon LaCroix? No, no it's, it doesn't. Oh, it's like lemony vanilla. I don't know. It's so good. It's really nice. Ah, delicious. Yeah. It's like you fresh. It's like you freshly squeeze the lemon into your water uh-huh. instead of the lemon Lacroix that tastes sort of like flat lemon soda. Yep, if that makes sense. Okay, Lacroix, money, please, money. <laughs> Lacroix is not giving us any money. I know, never. Okay, I know. So this is why we need you, the mystery solvers, because no one else gives a shit. But we have very loyal, devoted five listeners. <laughs> Those five this is man. pointing to our shadow box that's full of things Those you all five. sent us. I've got my little stuffed Mothman right here. He's going to sit on my lap. Mothman? I love our little stuffed Mothman. I have our little comeback with a warrant pillow from Studio Crafty next to me. Yeah. So, that's amazing. We're living the life. Okay, this first segment is a Psy-Med. And... it's also a mustache smorgasbord. It's a parade of mustaches. I honestly got sick of doodling mustaches. <laughs> I think I thought it would never happen. Did you have a favorite of the bunch? Oof, okay, let me look at my doodles here. I gotta, I gotta refresh this the brain. This whole family. So we're we're profiling the Santos family, and they man, actually the, the mustache. The first mustache we see from Steve Santos is yeah. huge. I literally called it "What a mustache." <laughs> Because I didn't know how many mustaches I was going to be drawing. Then we get to, I think maybe his brother, Ronnie. It's very, like, wide, but thin. Bridge to paradise. <laughs> Looks like a bridge. <laughs> That's, okay. Uh, then Frank... His M. I remember Frank's mustache. He gets M is for mountain, because it looks like a mountain range. We see a doctor later, very similar to mustache. He is Dr. Unsolved Mysteries. Dr. Unsolved Mysteries has some chest hair poking out of his scrubs. (laughs) Uh It's a whole look. Uh There's a Ralph Santos, who has kind of a more standard mustache. That was the another tragedy. Because oh, no. the segment's actually sad, and by this point, I was sad. The segment is really and sad, And then we get actually. a tiny little scruffy one on Frank Santos Jr. That's the scrappy. 
Oh, I love it. So I think this whole family just gets a collective envy. Also, there's a photo of the brothers in like a bar and they're all in suits, smoking cigars. Like, it's a work of of art. I don't know why I'm nodding on a podcast, but I'm nodding very enthusiastically. (laughs) Like, yes, it's so good. This family, man. I, we have never, I have never drawn six mustaches for one mystery. This isn't even the whole episode. So yeah, the Santos family, they're, they're MVM of like all time. So yeah, like I said, this is the Psy Med segment and we're, we're uh, profiling the Santos family. 34 year old Francisco Santos was a resident of Guam when he, he lived, where he lived with his wife seven children, and their extended family. Around 1.30 in the morning on December 31st, 1960, he began snoring. His wife, Donatilla, found this unusual as he'd never snored before. She was alarmed and she attempted to wake him, but this every attempt failed. Even when she lifted him up and propped him against her, uh, he wasn't roused um, from his, this his sleep. This reenactment is very heartbreaking yeah it's really heartbreaking francisco took one last breath before sadly passing away <laughs> his death was what an absolute nightmare i know his death was death was first thought to be from a stroke but was later discovered to be the result of heart failure i literally wrote down really helpful notes for this mystery such as francisco was hot and doctors are dumb <laughs> the doctor's yeah yeah, yeah, they are. They are. <laughs> Do- right, there's a drawing of a mustache and then underneath, doctors are dumb. Yeah. Thanks, Liz. Thanks for that great insight. By 1970, Donatella had remarried and moved to Northern California with her seven children. Then, in April 1981, 27-year-old Dora Santos, her youngest daughter, was found unconscious in her bedroom, halfway to the bed. Just like her father, attempts to wake Doris failed, and doctors attributed her death to heart failure as well. At the time, doctors did not believe that her her death was related to her father's death. That's why I wrote down doctors are dumb. It's a two extremely similar deaths. And 27 years old. Yeah. How often do 27 year olds just drop dead from heart failure? You don't think this is related to her father who also died of heart failure? Yeah, I found that very strange. Yeah. Within two years, 23-year-old Ronnie Santos, the youngest in the family, began complaining of chest pains. He was found to have a virus of the heart muscle. Which is... I swear I've never heard of that. No, that's wild. The virus was controllable with medication, and Ronnie could uh, was told he could lead a normal, active life um, while under doctor supervision. By the following September, he and his longtime girlfriend, Dana, had married. During Also, he got married in a white suit, and their wedding picture was fantastic. It was. The she's fashion a- in this whole episode is, is great. She's in all white, he's in all white, which I, I don't know it. if I've ever seen before, and it just looked like... Very cool. Yeah, definitely. Poor Ronnie. R.I.P. Ronnie. During one of his weekly softball games, Ronnie collapsed and fell unconscious after half an inning of play. He was announced dead on arrival at the hospital, having died of cardiomyopathy. Surely unrelated to the other heart deaths in his family. Yeah. And also they diagnosed him as having a viral infection of the heart as well. The reenactments for this segment are really quite sad. The reenactment of his, his girl, his wife, sorry, in the, in the stands watching the, the softball game and seeing him collapse. It must have been really hard for her to reenact that. It sounds terrible. Though the team did have these amazing powder blue shirts. Yes. So good. Yeah. The most 80s 
softball sh- oh my god with like tron style lettering uh-huh, i uh-huh. want i want one a year after ronnie's death 33 year old frank santos the eldest son of the family collapsed while watching television in his home his wife annette and mother were out running errands when they learned that he had collapsed by the time they arrived home, they found paramedics there. Uh, they were racing home, and they said when they, they pulled in and saw the open door of the ambulance, they knew that he had also... Because by the time the family was like, we're all dying of heart problems. Yeah, they felt cursed. So they knew, they just knew that he had the family curse. Honestly, I would not wish this on my worst enemy. This is terrible. It's awful. Tragically, he passed away as well. Again, cardiomyopathy was blamed for his death. In August 1987, 30, uh, 30-year-old Ralph Santos died of a viral infection of the heart in his sleep. He left behind a wife and two young sons. Then, in November 1991, Frank Santos Jr. collapsed during a high school dance. This reenactment is so sad. So this is, reenactment is sad. There's a little bit of levity in the fact that the the reenactment of the high school dance, where everyone's dancing in a circle, is brings back a lot of memories. Oh my goodness! The fashion. Yeah. Someone just, there's there's a a boy wearing a turtleneck with a, a gold necklace. Yeah, it's something. Okay, five listeners. Do any of you have any poll? Can you get me and Samantha to like fashion consult on a show or something? <laughs> Can we be decking out extras at a school dance? We would be so good at it. That would be, um, that's my dream job. That would be amazing. I'm just putting, I'm putting us out there to the universe. I swear we are very cheap and we will do quality work. We would be so (laughs) good at it. So unfortunately, Frank Santos Jr. passed away and the mysterious disease had now jumped to the next generation. Tragically, Annette had now lost her husband and her son. I hate this. Physicians discovered that heart disorders have plagued the Francisco's family for a number of generations prior to his death, but they were not sure why. They are certain that there is some sort of genetic disease going on, but they didn't know what. The doctor that they interviewed, for Dr. Unsolved Mysteries with the chest hair, was kind of like, well, look, we only have, I don't know how many cases this is, like six or something. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's not like we have hundreds and hundreds of cases. And I was sort of like, don't you have medical journals? Yeah. Is, is there no information? I realize I didn't have a lot of confidence in Doctor Unsolved Mysteries, and I sort of feel like I shouldn't have because the fucking viewers of Unsolved Mysteries solve this mystery. So I was and like, like, not like quickly. Like the viewers of the show watched this and were like, multiple viewers were like, oh, I know exactly what that is. Isn't this the reason doctors go to conferences so they can talk to other people? Like, hey, yeah. I've got this rare thing. Yeah. Ever heard of anything like this? Yeah, I don't know. Doctor Unsolved Mysteries do better. It, it would be one thing if this was still a mystery. Maybe I would be like, okay, no, well, no one ever like figured it out. But it was immediately solved by people, people watching the show. People called in and they were like, uh, Doctor Unsolved Mysteries. Didn't get a, even seem... Get a new degree. This was like something that was no. I don't know. We'll get to it in a second. But it seems like a known thing. And if it had been discovered earlier, maybe the 15-year-old child would know. You know what I mean? Like, that's it's horrible. Awful. Okay. So the surviving Santos siblings... Nina, Maria, and Steve now fear that they will become the next victims of the unknown of heart course, disease that is plaguing their family. Walking around being like, man, my heart's going to give out at any second. Literally any second. Terrible. This segment aired originally on April 1st, 1992, and the family was asking viewers if they had any idea what could be going on with their family. Uh, the result, like we said, is this was solved. Several viewers called the telecenter believing that the Santos family was suffering from Brugada syndrome. It's a genetic disorder most commonly seen in Thailand and Laos, and it causes an increased risk in sudden cardiac death, even without any known underlying cardiac disease. 
Um, tests confirmed that the family did have this genetic disorder. Um, Roque Santos, son of Frank Santos, and brother of Frank Santos Jr. was put on a pacemaker, and the remaining family members take daily heart medication. And then, fortunately, there have been no other deaths in the immediately immediate family. Donatella passed away in 2014. Um, so, yeah, I... I, think, I don't know. I think you see that there is a the danger of white supremacy and medical bias here. Like, yeah. this condition is in Thailand and Laos, and so Doctor Unsolved Mysteries wasn't thinking about it. Well, that's not to the best interests of his patients, right? So that's super frustrating. But I'm glad they got an answer. I'm glad they got an answer. It's just unfortunate that so many of their family, so many people died, died of this w- apparently treatable disease. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Are we ready to go on to the next one? Yes. I've got an unexplained death to bomb everyone out. Yeah. Uh, this is the case of Kathy Bonderson. It goes back to October 25th, 1987, and it takes place in New Rockford, North Dakota. So this starts, it's 2 a.m. Kathy is 35 years old. She's a nurse. She's having a fight with her husband, Robert, like kind of on the porch about their teenage son, Jamie, who hadn't wasn't home by 2 a.m. Robert had like, I don't know, just gone around town kind of looking for his son and hadn't found him and the and kathy the mom was not satisfied but she worked a late shift at the convalescent hospital and she was like i i don't know i don't want to go to work without my son being home right i'm worried about him i'm worried about him i'm gonna have to miss work because i don't want to leave without him being back it's two in the morning and you're a deadbeat <laughs> and you can't go out looking for him <laughs> yeah so the two of them had a fight. Kathy called into work and drove off um, out looking for her son. I don't know that she really had an idea of, like, where he was, but I'm guessing this is a pretty small town, so you could just yeah. sort of, like, drive around. She and- was trying to go out and make sure his car wasn't in a ditch. Yeah, exactly. So actually, as she's driving around after calling into work, her son, who's, like, out with his girlfriend, just not going home because he's a teenager, sees his mom, and or sees his mom's car anyway, come over a bridge, and is like, ooh, that's my mom. Hope she didn't see me because he knows he's out too late. Yeah. So... Later that night, or very early that morning, really, a car is reported on fire. It takes, it's so hot that it takes 15 minutes to put it out. And when they do, they find that there is a body seated on the passenger side floor, which is later identified as Kathy. All of the interior of the car had burned away, like the dashboard, the gear shift in between these two seats, all that, the upholstery. Yeah, car parts. All that stuff is burned. And all that's left is the steel. And then the sheriff is saying, oh, the fire clearly started up front. So the sheriff's theory was that the car made an abrupt turn and then ended up going over railroad tracks, but not at the crossing. So, this is a pretty, like, semi-remote area. There's the road that goes over the railroad tracks, but the railroad tracks themselves aren't really, like, blocked off by anything. There's just grass and gravel and whatever, but there's not that, like, little ramp to get your car over. So, the sheriff's theory was that she had swerved off the road, but continued to go over the tracks, where you're not supposed to, and the bumps of going over the tracks had caused the car to just catch on fire, yeah, they were positing that there was, like, an electrical issue at the front. Did that cause it to burst into flames? And that also threw Kathy to the passenger side of the car. The whole thing does not ring true. Despite the fact that the car keys were found on the floor of the car, virtually undamaged, despite the fact that everything else is, like, melted away. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so the mystery is, is this an accident or murder? The highway patrol could not find any marks on the road or disturbed grass by the railroad to confirm the sheriff's theory. What they found was marks on the railroad tracks that the sheriff were claiming were from Kathy's car, but the highway patrol thought those were actually from the fire department and their hoses from putting out the fire. Yeah. Because they are kind of red and fire hoses are red and they thought it was actually residue from that rubber. Despite the fact that the car was totally burned when it was examined, there was no structural impact from the damage. So the steel that's remaining is not dented. Like, the steel frame of the car is still fine. You would think if the impact was enough to start the car on fire instantly, that there might be some structural damage? Yeah, they're also the, ca- the tank still had 12 and a half gallons of gasoline in it. Huh. So the tank had not exploded when the car suddenly burst into flames. Interesting. Also, the fuel line was still intact. Okay. And there was no damage to it. Makes total sense. Crack police work here. The fire marshal said that the fire clearly started in several different areas and was not consistent with an accident. So at this point, despite the sheriff's objections, the body is exhumed and re-examined, showing that Kathy was dead before the fire. And what does the sheriff have to say about that? How does how does he explain it? So the way that they're saying she's dead before the fire is that her lungs aren't containing any smoke, right? Her lungs are clear. Right. But the sheriff's like, yeah, well, if she's jostling around in that car, she could have hit her head and died. And then the car burst into flames. He's claiming that when it went over the small bump that is the railroad track... <laughs> She flew into the air and smashed her head on the ceiling hard enough to instantly die, and then the car instantly burst into flames. Yes. So implausible. A thing that has this ever happened before, ever? In a, maybe it's not in a movie. This is really something that's like. I'm watching a movie and a car literally goes over railroad shacks, but just not exactly where it's supposed to, and then bursts into flames. <laughs> I would burst out laughing because that's totally ridiculous. Traces of gasoline were found on Kathy's clothes and what were rem- little remained of the car's interior. I wonder how that happened if the if the gas tank was intact. <laughs> also, Weird. an empty gasoline shop was found only 300 yards from where the car was burned. Well, it seems like an accident. It's what's so <laughs> funny slash frustrating about this is sure, clearly the sheriff ruled this an accident and then when all of these other professionals were like yeah dude no he's too stubborn to back down yeah so as more and more evidence piles up that's like yeah the fire started in multiple places and she was already dead and, and we found this gas what's up with this empty guest <laughs> he's still like well well that doesn't mean it wasn't an accident though did you think about that <laughs> because the sheriff is just like some dude on reddit do you think she might have bumped her head? Well, allow me that? to play devil's advocate here. <laughs> so the sheriff kept the death ruled as an accident, even though every literally everyone else involved in the case disagreed. That's where Unsolved Mysteries would have originally ended. Is this an accident or murder? And you watching at home would go, murder? <laughs> what? That's actually not it. The mystery is who did the murder? Because it's clearly a murder. Well... It was not reopened until 18 years later. They went to go talk to the husband, Robert Bonderson, but he committed suicide before speaking with the police department. It is believed that he is the murderer and the case is closed. Yeah. But um, let's see what Unsolved Mysteries Wiki has to say about it. 
So it was in 2005 that cold case investigators reopened the case, and they had a new autopsy performed that proved that Kathy had definitely been murdered. It was discovered there were injuries to her neck and throat that were not consistent with an accident. It was believed these injuries were the cause of her death. In February 2006, authorities discovered that Robert was living in Thermopolis, Wyoming. Thermopolis? Hmm. Sure. After talking to the police, he vanished, leaving behind his bank and credit cards. In April 2006, authorities discovered that he had taken his own life in a remote cabin on the Montana mountains. Police later concluded that he, had he been alive, he would have been arrested for Kathy's murder, and that he was definitely responsible for her death. During the investigation over the years, it was discovered that Robert had started dating another woman a few months prior to Kathy's death. Hmm. Also, he had taken out a $50,000 life insurance policy just two nights before. It was also discovered... That Jamie, who was the son, who had seen her her car driving on the night of her death, had stated that actually it was Robert that was driving it. His, his girlfriend confirmed this, and she had written about it in her diary. Okay. Investigators now believe that Kathy was killed at home and placed in her car. They believe that Robert drove her to the railroad crossing and set her car on fire. The case is now considered closed. The sheriff, who got everything wrong, passed away in... 1997 i this is so frustrating because it doesn't even seem like he was good at covering up this crime no i'm not even sure he wanted to cover it up so much he didn't want to admit he was wrong yeah i'm not sure he was like in cahoots with the dad or whatever oh no i was talking about the dad like he wasn't even like he left the empty gas can there he was he just totally locked out and i i I don't know if the son was scared and that's why he covered for him or you yeah, know, he. I don't know. He knew his mom was dead. He didn't want his dad to go to prison. I'm not sure, but right. oof. that one is frustrating. That's frustrating. Um, if if a sheriff is ever saying that I died because I hit my head and then my car spontaneously burst into flames, could you please have them look into it? Consider it done. Thank you. Okay, this next one, unsolved mysteries calls a robbery, which it. Kind of is, but sort of isn't. Also, two people were murdered. So it seems like that is... Yeah. This is a frustrating slash boring one. Yes. So this... (laughs) (laughs) So, pull up a chair. Yeah. On the evening of November 13th, 1991, three armored car guards were found brutally murdered at the Loomis Depot in in Vallejo, California. And $1 million was attempted stolen. Yeah, exactly. Attempted. This isn't a robbery. Yeah. Because it's botched. This is a murder and an attempted robbery. So 49-year-old... I guess having a title card come up that says attempted robbery doesn't sound that dramatic. (laughs) I guess. But you could say murder. You could say unexplained death. Or wanted. Uh, Robbery doesn't seem like... It kind of diminishes the fact that two people are dead. Yeah. So I was just about to say, call this guy Martin Cucumber. (laughs) Is that his name? No, it's Martin McCumber. Oh, no, it's not. It is Martin Cucumber. <laughs> Bitch. I was... <laughs> you know sometimes you're reading something and your brain makes it something else? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Most of the time. Martin McCumber, 29... Uh, I'm sorry, what was that? Martin Cucumber. Thank you. 
That would be such an unfortunate last name. I'm glad it was not that. So, 49-year-old Martin McCumber, 29-year-old Dennis Jacobson, and 25-year-old Alfonso Lentoyo were all found bound and shot to death in the armored car depot. Martin left behind a wife and children while Alfonso was engaged to be married in a few months. Yeah, so let's not forget that these people died, and it wasn't just an attempted robbery, because... They're just there trying yeah, to do their jobs. Guess what? People are more important than money. I don't uh, care. I don't care if they stole a billion dollars. These Samantha, people were shot and killed. Could you quit morally browbeating me? <laughs> That's right. Intellectually. I mean, I've never really done anything. So. I am tired of hearing about how human life is more important <laughs> than money. Ooh. The unknown killers apparently planned on robbing the place, but ended up they ended up killing the guards for reasons unknown. Several pieces of evidence were found at, at and near the scene. So this. This part is interesting because Unsolved Mysteries gets the actual evidence to use in their reenactment. Much like, remember when Robert Stack stole those glasses that were evidence in a murder case? the chain of custody, and now that guy is still in prison? We're doing that again, except with all the evidence. I did write down. And there's an abundance of evidence. Why does Unsolved Mysteries have access to the actual evidence? All of it. Why? They're using it in the reenactment. I don't, I guess they're hoping someone recognizes something like this lighter fluid (laughs) canister. (laughs) I don't know. I don't what this is is gonna accomplish it surely would screw up the trial it's like oh the chain of custody was we found it at the scene we put it in that bag so you know no one touched it oh but then we sent it over to unsolved mysteries (laughs) they took it out of the bag they all touched it uh robert stack licked it and then (laughs) like what (laughs) they have a chain of custody for a reason so you know that nobody else has tampered with evidence if if people if just actors on a set are touching it what i don't understand why also, they're allowed if I to do was this that actor i wouldn't want to touch that actual evidence no your fingerprints are, no, not your fingerprints are on it what if then they're like convenient that you did this robbery and then starred in the reenactment <laughs> to try to cover your tracks <laughs> no they would suddenly pull that thing that there's like in every episode of Criminal Minds where the the murderer is trying to be close to the case, oh, sure, right? Yeah. So they're like, that's what you're trying to do. It's like, wait, is it that guy that's been in every scene? Oh my god, it is! <laughs> that's why you were the reenactor. <laughs> yes, so this is some of the evidence that they, they found and that for some reason they included in the Unsolved and Mysteries I episode. And Robert Stack licked it all. <laughs> Every single piece. (laughs) Camouflage clothing, bolt cutters, weapons, shoes, tools, and lighter fluid. The shoes, tools, and lighter fluid were found in in duffel bags. The lighter fluid bottle had a price written on it. And this was the most ridiculous. Robert Sack is like, or maybe it was an investigator. I'm not really sure. But they're like, we're hoping that someone might recognize the handwriting on this lighter fluid bottle. But it's not going to be the killer. It's going to be whoever worked at the department store where they bought it. Does he think it's part of their inv- their criminal inventory? There's like I paid one ninety nine for this. No, that's the person that like works at the convenience store. Maybe they'll be able to find the convenience store, and then maybe they'll be able to like they'll remember who they sold it to. I don't know. It's just you would remember who you sold one bottle of lighter fluid to. No, no. What this is a th- hilarious thing that happens on Law and Order all the time, where they go into a bar. A crowded bar in New York City, and they ask a bartender, 
Like, hey, do you remember this person? They would have been in here, oh, three weeks ago. And then the bartender's like, yeah, yeah, ordered five Manhattan. It's like, no! There's no way you remember that! Absolutely not! <laughs> yeah, that just doesn't happen in real life. Ugh. So, surprise, surprise, the handwriting has not been identified. The shoes were a brand called Honor, sold exclusively at Target stores. All right, Target, you're a suspect now. <laughs> just Target. Target. Just all of Target. Target CEO. <laughs> Target CFO. Look at it. Where were they, huh? Well, where Look were them? Surprisingly, the murder weapons were left at the scene. Yeah, these people were bad at crimes. The murder weapon is an 8-inch blue steel Colt Trooper revolver. The weapon had previously been reported as lost or stolen in the Los Angeles area in 1969. It did look old. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about guns, but I was like, that is a weird one. That's a weird choice. Yeah. The bolt cutters used to break into the facility were found near the scene. I don't quite understand why these criminals just literally left everything. I think they had to get out of there in a hurry because they ended up committing murder and not actually stealing anything. That's true. Do you think Robert Stack was like, oh, these are kind of nice bolt cutters. Can can I I have these? Robert Stack's not laying his hands on bolt cutters. (laughs) You're right. You really think Robert Stack is... Bolt? What? What is he? What bolts are he? Is he cutting? <laughs> did he breaking into? Maybe, did Robert Stack do this himself? I was gonna say he, he was busting into the Loomis. He was, he was like going on his rival's yachts just to know he could, <laughs> just to look at his own yacht from Bust, from their deck. In. <laughs> He's got staff for that. Yeah, you're right. Staff with their own bolt cutters. More clothing and a bag of money was found nearby. Gloves, a ski mask, and an AK-47 assault rifle were found in a park nearby. Impressions were found That's in the ground. That's from some other crime. You don't know. That's true. That suggested that one of the killers was lying in the area for some time. Authorities believe that there were at least four assailants. Hairs found on the ski masks showed that at least one of the assailants was white and another was black, which... Hair analysis is bogus. No, it was super as. I don't pay attention to that. Sometimes that it turns out the hairs from a dog or a cat. Yeah, isn't Sometimes they're like, "Oh, this is definitely from an Italian American male." Right. Which how would they know the gender? But then it's like actually, upon further review, it was from a squirrel. They're <laughs> <laughs> like, "Okay, great, good job, friends." Squirrel. <laughs> What's the squirrel's alibi? That's what I want to know. They're shifty. They're fast. They're fast. What was Snowball the cat up to? And they hide stuff. It's true. It's true. It's true. Can't trust them. They're in your bird feeders, eating all the bird seed that's for birds. It's in the name. Wow. That's not squirrel seed. How come no one feeds the squirrels, though? Well, because the squirrels just take it anyway. Okay. I guess because you want to see different types of birds, and you've already seen many squirrels <laughs> there's only a couple types of squirrels yeah huh huh <laughs> should i put a bat house up sure to attract bats sure okay bats need all the help they can get all right i don't know anything about Good a bat talk. house <laughs> uh but yeah it's just a little spot where they can like hang out yeah i like that okay i've been meaning to do it I, so I sometimes listen to our own podcast while I'm driving places, and on the way here, I was listening to our Patreon episode for January and cracking up at Liz wondering what bat sex noises sound like. Maybe you could solve that mystery by putting up a bat house. <laughs> I, I heard that you have to have it up for like a year before bats will use it. Oh, okay. So I should really get started on that. Yeah. We got a mystery to solve. <laughs> 
Well, I'm very dedicated to my work. A week after the the, the murder, <laughs> the roadblock was set up in an attempt to locate possible eyewitnesses. One Wait, person. A week later? They set up a roadblock a week later. Look, this police department gave evidence to Unsolved Mysteries. They're not what were they doing, doing for- the best job. They're like, okay, well, we can't do it Tuesday because that's the picnic. <laughs> and we can't do it Wednesday because Fred's on vacation. And, pff, you know, Thursday and Friday, that's just a wash. So let's start on Monday. <laughs> what? Why wait a week? Look, I don't know. That information was not given. Uh, that's just the day they the day they did it. One person apparently reported seeing a white male fleeing the scene on the night of November thirteenth. Okay. Okay. Based on the evidence, authorities have pieced together what happened that night. Around eight eight uh, eight p.m., four heavily armed men wearing military camouflage cut through the the depot's fence. At eight forty, two of the guards arrived with more money in an armored truck. When the gates were opened, four men ran in behind the truck. The assailants then pro- approached the tr- two guards as they exited. After the guards were tied up, the assailants then went through the money and put it in their duffel bags. Authorities believed that the assailants killed the guards because one of the guards recognized them. But this seems like complete guesses. After the gunshots were fired... <laughs> I can make guesses about crimes, too. I do it semi-professionally. <laughs> Call me up, police department. <laughs> We'll offer our services. Uh, Which is mostly me going, I don't know, where were you? <laughs> I don't know. Did, did you see any squirrels? <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Were any squirrels spotted in the area? <laughs> should, they're shift- we should look into them. They're shifty. Can't trust them. After gunshots were fired, an automatic alarm sound- sounded. The assailants fled the scene. Um, this is my favorite part of this mystery. It just seems like they're so bad at this. Apparently didn't know how heavy duffel bags full of money are. Oh, and, were unable, kind of mm-hmm. and were unable to take them with them, so they just dropped them and made away with nothing. Um, you might want to try dragging. The money's heavy. Or, I don't know. They were trying to those, steal one million dollars. You, know, you need a wheelie type of suitcase. Yeah. Poor planning. <laughs> Poor planning. <laughs> So, the robbers ended up dropping all of the money they, they were trying to steal from the depot. Police speculate that it's because they were unable to carry all of it. <laughs> Maybe that was just shade. <laughs> Maybe that, they were just like, I bet those weak bastards couldn't even lift this money. Perhaps. And then they just lifted it up with one arm. Oh, yeah. I did appreciate that one of the detectives emphasized the the tragedy that these people died. I mean, these it's they, so they made away with nothing. Zero dollars. So pointless. Not that it would have made their deaths mean something, of course, but... It's somehow this, extra frustrating. Yes. I, it probably wouldn't matter to us if we knew these people, if they made off with the money or not. But not knowing them, we were just like... So this was all for nothing. Right. You killed people, you wasted everyone's time, you caused tragedy for these families for absolutely no reason. For Good no- for you. For nothing. Hope you fall in a well and stay there. All right, this is solved. On November ni- uh, In November of 1993, police matched a fingerprint found at the crime scene to convicted felon Thomas Young. He confessed to the murders and told police that three other men, Eugene Livingston, Assad Muhammad, who was formerly called James Gary Brown, and Victor McLean were also responsible. 
Young was found guilty of murder and sentenced to three life terms in prison. Livingston, who was a co-worker of the slain guards, confessed and was found guilty of robbing, robbery and conspiracy, but was acquitted of the murder. He served three years in prison and was later released. Livingston had identified Muhammad as the mastermind of the robbery and killings. Muhammad and McLean were arrested and charged with robbery and murder. However, at, the prelim- at a preliminary hearing... Young recanted his confession, and the cases against Muhammad and McLean were dropped due to lack of evidence. Hmm. In 1999, DNA evidence linked Muhammad to a ski mask found at the murder scene, and he was arrested again. He was convicted of the murders and sentenced to life in prison. It's strange they don't all get similar sentences, like three years versus life. It's the same crime. Yeah, and I don't know if they were claiming that that they were there and participating in the robbery, but they didn't intend to kill anyone. You know what I mean? Like, maybe... You know, this is not from how TV I've been taught life works, but you know what? TV might be wrong. It's true. Sometimes it's true. TV lies to me. Okay. And it, oh, so there were two mustaches in your case here. There was a pretty standard cop mustache. I see you have a drawing of it. But see, unlike a standard cop mustache that sort of goes out and can point into the cheek and ends, this one curled back a tiny was bit. Was that the guy in the reenactment? Towards the lip. I remember that one. Yep. I called it the never-ending story. Because you think the mustache is going <laughs> to stop, and then it's like, no, no, there's a little bit more. And then there's just a totally yeah, typical mustache. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. And I literally called it another fucking mustache, because I couldn't believe <laughs> that there were so many I couldn't episodes. believe there were so many! Okay. So, uh, it tells you something about Unsolved Mysteries, that there is a whole category of story, just amnesia. Yeah. And that is the case that we're in. This is actually a legitimate case of amnesia, so I'll give it that. Robert Stack stops out the episode by saying, Imagine what it would be like to awake one day from a deep sleep and discover that your most precious memories are gone forever. It's not exactly how this went, Robert Stack, but... Actually, it's but not okay. how this went but okay. at all. But just imagine that. <laughs> oh, okay. It's a fun exercise. It's a thought experiment. Yeah. This is the case of 39-year-old Sarah DiGerno. I think it's. I think De Janeiro. Her, I think her name is De De Janeiro. De Janeiro. Uh, Robert Sack calls this a mystery of the mind. It takes place in Dunlock, Maryland. So it begins on Friday the thirteenth. <gasps> Which was that an ominous thing before the movie? Kind of don't think it was. But anyway, <laughs> Friday the 13th, August 1976. Sarah goes to the local bank. And while she's doing her bank transaction with the che- teller, she is struck with a horrible migraine. She had a history of migraines, but this was the worst one that she ever had. It left her confused, disoriented, and unable to see out of her left eye. She literally was, like, talking to the teller, was struck by this horrible pain, and was, like, unable to continue talking. This is terrifying to me. And she just, like, hobbled out of the bank while they're like, ma'am, is anything wrong, ma'am? And she's just like, I don't even understand how she got home. Three hours later, her husband, Paul, found her, like, collapsed in the bed. She was partially paralyzed and mumbling incoherently. She was apparently trying to explain to her husband what was wrong, but the words that were coming out of her mouth, like, weren't what she was trying to say. They were just gibberish. This is so terrifying to me. So her husband didn't understand what she was trying to communicate and just got an ambulance for her. It turned out that a blood blood vessel, it's hard to say for some reason, had burst in her brain. A blood vessel had burst in her brain. And doctors recommended a risky operation. Um, They said that not doing the operation would likely leave her incapacitated. Okay, so you're not gonna, really much of a choice. Right, you're going to do it. So during the surgery, they discovered that her condition was actually worse than they had previously thought and that she had a second broken blood vessel. 
They ended up operating her on her for nine and a half hours. During the first few days of recovery, she realized that something was wrong. So we see her in the, the hospital bed. Her head is like wound up with bandages. She's got the worst circles under her eyes you've ever seen. Yep. And her husband and daughter are there for them to like remove some stitches. And she's just like sitting on the bed blinking, not understanding what's going on and also not recognizing her daughter. Mm-hmm. So we see her daughter like in present time. Uh, and she is shown so sh- wearing an amazing shirt and also sitting in front of all of these beautiful plants. And I was kind of like, Carrie, be friends with me. The fashion in this whole episode, the the shoulder pads, the, yeah, it was her daughter wearing like a, a floral blazer. No, she was or wearing was like else? a mustard colored shirt that was like a paisley print, maybe. I don't know. It was, it was pretty sweet. Um, so it turned out that Sarah was missing 16 years of memories. In her mind, she felt 23 years old, and she remembered having three young children, not four teenagers. So her daughter, Carrie, that's shown up to see her stitches getting taken out, she literally does not remember being pregnant, giving birth, or having this child, because it's within that 16-year right. time frame. We then hear from a doctor who tells us that most people who have an aneurysm rupture do experience some memory loss, but that memory loss is usually, like, right around the event. So you would miss, like, how you got to the hospital or what you were doing that day. But you usually do not miss years of time like this. She said her husband walked into the hospital room and she She was was like, like, you grew out your hair. She was like, what's with your hair? And also you're, like, older and fatter than I remember. (laughs) Because 16 years have gone by, in her mind, overnight. Right. When really, you know, he's just been living his normal life, and she's sort of like, why don't you have a crew cut anymore? Yeah, exactly. So they go, they bring her home. Uh, She doesn't recognize, like, her block anymore. I guess the street wasn't even paved when she could remember it. Half of the houses weren't there yet. Most of the things in the home she doesn't recognize. In her, she thought it was going to, like, start to make sense to her in time, and because the doctors had warned her, like, it's going to be an adjustment, and, you know, like, be patient with yourself and stuff like that. You can expect some disorientation. Yeah, but the doctors aren't realizing how much time she doesn't remember, and she's not realizing that her experience is abnormal. So there's a failure in communication there. Yes. Where she's just like, but why is the street paved? Right. And who the hell's house is that? And why is this fourth kid here? <laughs> Which, oh my God. So she didn't want to admit how much was new to her. And she was just trying to like figure it out on her own. And there's a scene where she's like writing out a check for some reason. And uh, she, her daughter and husband are sitting there. And she's like, it's still 1960, right? And they're like, uh, it's, uh, 76. And she was like, all right, kidding, kidding. <laughs> uh, so funny. Yeah, because for, she decided she wanted to keep it to herself. Um, and so she's trying to pick, piece things together from family photographs and, like, figure out what she's missed. But you don't take photographs of, like, the mundane shit you do. So right. that's actually, like, probably not really that helpful. No. You'll be like, that's what our Christmas tree looks like one year. Okay. But like, get back to the fact that she doesn't know how to use a dishwasher, a microwave, or the family car. Yeah. Because that's all happened within this period of time that she can't remember at all. 
They give this hilarious reenactment that because in her mind, she's 23 years old, she had more of the taste of like someone in their 20s than someone in their 30s. So her kids would like come home from school and turn down the stereo because mom was blasting it too loud. Yeah. So she's just like dancing with the, what she's like dusting the living room or something. And they're like, oh, mom, turn down your loud rock music. Okay. Here's the part where I'm like a little. So far, you're like, wow, this is terrible. I can't imagine this happening, this poor woman. At this point, I'm like a little less on board with Sarah and her journey because she kept this a secret for four years. Four years. She didn't tell her family that she didn't remember all this shit. She just like played along for four years. I have a, I just, I can't fathom. It would be very hard for me to learn that my mother did not remember giving birth to me or my childhood or anything about me but it would be way harder to learn that's out of her control like that would be hard that would be a loss but to learn that then she just lied about it for four years that's the part where what you get a little less sympathetic i think because yeah you just have to go on pretending that you do remember all of this i don't know I, I would be like, I, I don't understand. I understand that she didn't tell them right away. I understand that she was like, well, of course I'm disoriented. I'm still healing. I just got back from the hospital. Like, there's an adjustment period. But at some point, you have to go, oh, no, I actually do think it's 1960. I was not joking. I yeah. don't know what happened to the last 16 years of my life. When did I buy these hideous shoes? Like, right. I don't, I literally don't remember one of my children. Like, to keep that to yourself? Yeah. Because, yeah, when your daughter that you don't remember walks in, you're caught off guard. But four years go by and you... Like, at some point, maybe sit down with your husband and be like, look, it's been a couple months. Maybe we need to talk to the doctor because I fucking don't know who that kid is. What did you say her name was again? (laughs) Like, right? Yes, yes. Or like... I don't, something that might not come up, like the middle name, or, you, you don't know anything about your own child! Right. And you're just winging it! So wild to me. Okay. But then she reads this article in a newspaper about aneurysms and decides to admit the truth. I guess someone else, there was an article about someone else having an aneurysm and getting amnesia, and she was like, oh, I'm not, it's not just me! She was like, oh, I'm not alone. But he's like, <laughs> you could have probably asked a doctor about that, I don't know, three years ago. <laughs> well, three and... A half years ago. <laughs> Maybe being like, okay, Doc, I know you said this was going to be disorienting, but what the fuck? What is the dishwasher? What is happening? <laughs> what we went to the moon? <laughs> Why did no one tell me? Think of all the stuff that has happened between 1960 and 1976 that you had no idea was going on. Yeah. And you're just wandering around like an alien. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Wild. So, she decides to admit the truth, and uh, her family takes it way fucking better than I would. Her daughter was so understanding. Yeah. And I would have been like, it's one thing that you lost your memory. It's a totally other thing that you just lied to me for all of this time. Yeah. Anyway, mom, be on notice. Uh, so the mystery ends with it. She'll probably never recover her lost memories. Great. <laughs> yep. Bingo. Awesome. Let's see if Unsolved Mysteries says anything interesting. No. <laughs> She was this she Sarah also told her story on the Today Show Oprah Winfrey and something called To Tell the Truth. She has since passed away. Alright, well she kept it a secret for four years and then went on tour? Yep. Alright. I think I'd be even less sympathetic about that. 
<laughs> All right. Okay. Um, do you think her family kept her death secret for another four years? <laughs> Just, I don't know. Out of spite. <laughs> to get even? What would, why would you, what would that accomplish? Not, it would accomplish nothing. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea at all. That's it's like, wild. oh, mom really wanted everyone to be at her funeral. Hmm. Too bad they're not going to hear about it for four, four years. <laughs> you would do i know <laughs> huh it really sucks not to find out things in a timely fashion doesn't it hmm. like the woman's literally dead and i'd be like is she though <laughs> <laughs> anyway that's end of unsolved mysteries so all right let's rate it what episode was this this is season four did we episode, even say? i don't think we did we did say that it was the the third <laughs> second to last third to last it is fucking more episodes do we have in this season? I don't know. It never ends. Da, 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 da. I want to say it's like episode twenty four. I think it is. I think it is. Episode like that 24. TV show on Fox. Oh yeah, that propaganda. That was just <laughs> propaganda. It was just a. Sh- it was just a show to teach you how great. Uh, uh, oh my god, torture! How great torture is. Mm-hmm. It works really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Okay, All the right. show was literally funded by the CIA. I guess I didn't realize that it was literally fun about it. It was. <laughs> huh. huh. Yeah. So that people would be like on board with enhanced cool. interrogation techniques. Cool. cool. <laughs> this is the world we live in. Cool. Uh, mysteriousness? Hmm. hmm. Not that mysterious. No. The, the first case is sort of mysterious. Um, I guess they didn't know at the, well, no, but they found out pretty quickly. The, yeah, yeah, no. Okay, maybe the second one is kind of mysterious. The woman in her car. Except but he, it was only mysterious to one person. Okay, who, but you don't know who the murderer <laughs> is. That's true. For years. Well. But you would assume it was the husband. I mean, you? yeah. Okay, I'm going to say thumbs down on mysteriousness. That, two minutes into that segment, I was like, oh, the husband killed her. Um, I guess the Loomis uh, armored car thing was sort of mysterious at the time. Yeah, but it's boring. Yeah, but that has no impact on the mysteriousness. It kind of does, though. <laughs> yes, it does. I think. Okay. Because it doesn't hide in the mystery if you don't care. <laughs> sure. Good point. Are we a <laughs> thumbs down or a thumb sideways? I'm down. Okay. Th- thumbs down on that one. Not the downest, but down. Thumbs the downest. No, I'm not that. <laughs> I just I'm like it wasn't that mysterious. Mm, no reenactments. Quality. I thought great. Very great good. reenactments. The high school dance. Oh yeah. man. I mean, the, even the armored car robbery yeah. reenactments are fine. I, they shouldn't have touched that evidence, but they're fine. Um, I mean, clearly a lot of work went into those. Yeah. So. Yeah. Thumbs up on reenactments. Fashion. Solid. Amazing. Out of the park. Definitely. So good. Definitely. All the fashion. I liked, yeah. You get softball teams. You get. You get 1990. <laughs> women don't even remember having. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. Mustaches galore. Yeah, you couldn't uh, ask for better mustaches or more mustaches. If you ask for more mustaches, you are just selfish. Do you think Robert Stack was sort of overshadowed by the fashion? And yes, the- I do. I barely remember him in this one. Yeah, I was. There's so many mustaches. Yeah, it was distracting. And he didn't even grow one himself. So thumbs down. <laughs> Put some effort in, Robert Stack. Uh, okay, and so on on our, our scale of zero to five, Robert Stacks, hmm, I'm gonna give us a three. I think that's a good... This is a middle-of-the-road episode. It's solid, but it's not super memorable. Yeah, I would agree. It could have used a ghost. Could have. Um, I kind of... It mixed things up 
with the Cymed, the Amnesia, something a little different. I appreciate that, but yeah. it's not totally different than things we've had before. I agree. It's not wild. I mean, really, if they could have moved that woman pretending to be her own evil twin into this episode. It would have, hi- yeah, it could have been a, a, f- a five out of five. Yeah, that really would have brought things up because I would have been like, oh my God, the story's crazy. And I would not have been crying about a dead baby in the street. Right. So, three out of five Robert Stack. I would say so. And that wraps up this episode. What do you have to recommend? Oh, I actually have an unrecommendation today. I'm here for it. I'm mixing things up. Okay, let's hear it. So the service DoorDash. Ah, I saw the I saw the article you posted about that this. brings food to your home. I know this sounds great. It sounds like an amazing convenience of our modern times. Salon recently released an article revealing that if you take into expenses, DoorDash employees make an average of one forty-five an hour. Cool. Because the company is not paying for their gas. It's not paying for maintenance of their car. It's sometimes, like, I didn't totally understand part of it, but not all of the time that they're working is, like, considered active time. So I feel like there's some, I don't know if it's, like, them initially driving to the restaurant or whatever. There's some point where they're not being paid, but they are still working, but DoorDash doesn't consider that part work. (sighs) So they're not getting paid for that. So ridiculous. So take a look at the article if you're curious about more, more about the specifics of how they came to that number. But that also means that some people are making literally zero or losing money. Right. To bring you food. Yeah, there's if if it's averaging out at one forty five an hour, losing money. So um, that's disgusting and completely unacceptable. So I just am un super unrecommending DoorDash. Go in the garbage. That's gross. Yeah, I hate it. Yeah, it's, I hate it. It's completely unacceptable. I hate it because it's such a good concept for, especially for someone that it never also, wants to leave their house. It also does cost a lot. But yeah, it does. But all of that money is going to DoorDash. And okay, this might not be true for DoorDash, but I think it's DoorDash and not Bite Squad that if you tip on card, they give that money to the employee in place of money they were going to give. Like, they count that towards the wage. Yeah. Opposed to you giving them a tip in cash, which obviously would be extra, which is how a tip is, like, supposed to work. Mm-hmm. But they just, like, count it towards it so that they don't actually have to put forth any money. Which is appalling. Yeah. So, also, for any of those, like, app things, you might want to consider tipping in cash or just tipping in cash whenever you can because – some people's bosses aren't honest also they might not get all their tips i don't know yeah um but yeah that's such complete bullshit so yeah just to be aware of that yeah sorry that's a downer one it is a downer but it's you're doing a public service got it because i don't know that i would have saw that article if you hadn't shared it and it's just 145 that's outrageous it's like horrible a sweatshop that's just driving around town yeah so, we don't need that. It's 2020. No, for sure. Let's do better. Okay, I'm recommending a Netflix series that I'm not finished with, because I'm watching it with my husband, and we don't watch TV super often, so... Is it Spinning together? Out? I watched all of that. Go on. What is Spinning Out? It's a melodrama about ice skating. Oh. I'm intrigued. <laughs> you might need it in your life. I'm intrigued. Is it very silly? Yes. Well, I binge... I'm not recommending th- th- this, but I binge watched Cheer. Okay. I saw that. Should I watch that? I, I was sucked in. Mm-hmm. Mainly I was me- mesmerized by 
the acrobatics that these college students do. But I don't know that I'm, I don't know. I read some article from the Atlantic that was really like against it, which I totally understand. And I mean, frankly agree with, which is that this is just another example of glorifying college sports where student athletes are pushed to, push their bodies beyond their limits injure to their permanently injure themselves for no money, for no money uh, which is 100% true. There's a scene in the, in the, in the series that I'm not going to spoil. That's appalling. Uh, but the, the, the profile of the, the students in a way that first of all, they're all characters. It's, I honestly cried a few times. They have really inspiring backstories. And then, yeah, it's, I mean, it manipulates you to feel this like, Sure. Feelings towards them. But I don't know. I, I liked it and was like immediately sucked in. Um, but that's not my recommendation. My recommendation <laughs> is this Netflix show called The Confession Killer, which is about mm. Henry Lee Lucas. Okay. I wasn't going to watch this because I'm not like, I don't know, the true crime. I feel like I'm burnt out on true crime, to be perfectly honest. Uh, but my Sounds husband- like something a sociopath would say, Samantha. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, but my husband wanted to watch this. So I was like, okay, let's watch it. And it's. This is honestly a wild story, and not that I knew anything about Henry Lee Lucas other than he was a serial killer uh, before going into this. Well, he has a real serial killer name, doesn't he? Yeah, but the 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 catch is he might not be a serial killer at all. Whoa! He, he apparently definitely killed his mother, but he confessed to murdering like over two hundred women, like uh-huh. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Um, police. Departments from around the country would go to Texas. He was arrested by the Texas Rangers. There's this whole thing about the Texas Rangers in this thing that I, like, knew nothing about going into this. Sure. And this, like, the Texas Rangers are different than the the sheriffs down there. And then there's also the prosecutors. And there's this whole, like, I don't know. It's fascinating and completely wild. And police departments from across the country, they made this task force because he was confessing to all these murders. And they would come down and, like, he would tell them that, yeah, I murdered this woman in your city and blah, blah. And then they were like... I don't know, quote unquote, solving cases, but it might be like, he might be making it all up. Like, it's completely wild. I'm only like, this is one of the, Netflix is doing this limited series thing where they're like Mm -hmm. six episodes or how, I'm not sure how many total episodes are in this one. I'm only like three or four episodes in, but it's wild. And then it goes off in directions that I never, never could have predicted with these prosecutors and I, it's really good, and as far as, I don't know, Netflix is, is clearly getting on this true crime bandwagon oh, sure. thing, mm-hmm. uh, but I feel like I haven't heard anyone talking about this this documentary. Um, and it, it sounds it was, interesting. I think I want to watch it now. It was, it's really interesting, and I'm interested to see where it goes. Like I said, I'm, I'm not finished with it, but I, was, I am enjoying it, it so It did far. not catch my interest at all. Neither, yeah, I was not going to watch it, but Travis wanted to, wanted to watch it, so we watched the first intrigued. episode, and I was like, oh, this isn't what I expected. At all. I thought it was just going to profile him as a serial killer. I was like, oh, it's a serial killer. Because Travis was joking. He was like, you probably already know all about this. And I'm like, actually, I don't. I know he was a serial killer. But then we got one episode in, and I'm like, whoa. Or is he? Or is he? Yeah. They were, like, bribing him with milkshakes and (laughs) to get him to confess to to these murders. It's wild. What kind of milkshakes? Strawberry, I think. From McDonald's? I assume so, but Uh maybe not. I'm not confessing to a fake crime for a McDonald's milkshake. What if you, it comes with fries, you can dip in it? Mm, Okay, if it's a Frosty and Wendy's fries. No, I want a Frosty, but McDonald's fries. (laughs) They're going to have to make two stops. I'm learning a lot about you, because for me, it has to be a milkshake and fries. The Frosty is not going to cut it. I really would prefer a Frosty. I mean, I like Frosties, but if I'm if I'm talking to pair with fries, 
Yeah. It's gotta be it's gotta be milkshake for me. Huh. Well we'll just have to agree to disagree. This friendship's over. Okay. Um that's my recommendation. <laughs> if you decide you want to watch Spinning Out, which is not my recommendation, but I did watch all of it this week. It's a fictional, fictional uh, ice skating melodrama. It's too bad it's not a, f- a fact. Well, it's not like cheer. It's not like a, a docu-series. Right, but I want it to be. Oh, no. It has... Um, <laughs> I want another cheer, but with ice skating. <laughs> oh, I can't remember her real name. It has Betty Draper from Mad Men. Oh, okay. And who has not aged at all. <laughs> you might have not realized Mad Men was on a while ago. Uh, Betty Draper looks the same, possibly younger, but she has, like, teenage children. And I looked it up, and I was like, she's technically old enough, but she uh, looks so young right. that it's slightly unbelievable. Anyway, that was, you know, it made my week more enjoyable. Is that all we have? I think so. We okay. plug our shit. Next episode will be our last regular one of the season. And then we'll have our listener stories episode to cap it off as our season finale. So the time is ticking for you to get oh, in your paranormal get in your stories. stories. We need your paranormal tales. Did you see a ghost? Did you see an alien? Did you see a gnome that was walking around? Did you I really want to hear about that. A baby Ogopogo. For some reason, the gnome thing really freaks me out. Did you see a a big footprint that you're pretty sure it was Bigfoot? <laughs> Not just a really tall man. Yeah. It wasn't Shaq. You were like, mm, this is probably Bigfoot. I'm 90% <laughs> sure. Uh, send us those stories at perhaps it's you podcast at gmail.com. There's also a form on our website, perhaps it's you.com. Uh, don't forget that we only accept five star reviews on Apple Podcasts. So get over there. We haven't had one in our, a while. Our ego really needs it. Let us know why you give us five out of five Robert Stacks. And it has to be five out of five. It has to be. Uh, if you have a few extra dollars, you can throw them our way at patreon.com slash perhaps it's you. Like Liz said, if you sign up at the $5 level, you can get the Robert Stack coloring sheet this this month. Uh, it's really it. good. It's so good. This, I- this month, we also uh, just released Paranormal Home Investigators. Or home inspectors. Inspectors. You know how investigators would actually make sense. <laughs> you know uh, how you get your home inspected before you buy it, and you're like, sure. And it's like, yeah, but what if that involved ghosts? Yeah. Finally, the show for you. There's a Canadian television show that just ju- does just that. Home uh, inspection plus ghosts. We have decided where we're going to watch for ooh, next month. I'm for excited Patreon. about this We one. haven't announced it yet. We're going to do that right this second because I'm very excited. We're going to watch The Low Files. Yes. Which is Rob Lowe <laughs> and two sons. I don't know how many sons he has, but two of them go with him to look for paranormal stuff for some reason. For I don't, some reason? I don't know why it exists. I love making fun of Rob Lowe. <laughs> I love it so much. Did you see I, he was... Where was he? he Recently was wearing, where he was wearing a hat that just said NFL on yes. it. Not a team. Not a specific team in the just NFL, the just NFL. the NFL you know and we, a hat. You know how we all kind of hate the NFL now? Because it turns out they're all a bunch of racists. Yeah, they're all and, racist. Yeah. You know, they're making people do this thing that's going to give them permanent brain damage and mm-hmm. then, like, not really supporting them. And they enable rapists, but they they don't like political protests, which is, that's a that's a choice. Yeah. Anyway, Rob Lowe is like, no, I like all those things. <laughs> And I'm going to put this hat on top of my good-looking head <laughs> and just stand there giving steely blue eyes. I'm like, what? Rob Lowe. What are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing, Rob Lowe? That's my question to him all the time. <laughs> what are you doing, Rob Lowe? 
What are you doing? Anyway, we're gonna watch are the we gonna find out that Rob Lowe listens to this podcast. Oh I will lose my fucking mind. What if he gives us a dollar to listen to the Low Files episode? Hey, Rob. Check us out. <laughs> are we going to start every episode with Hello, BD Wong, Rob Lowe, and other listeners? <laughs> the listeners are getting really long. No, because I don't think Rob Lowe listens, which is good because I'm going to have Unlike some... Unlike BD Wong, who we do think I listens. do think listens, which is good. I only have nice things to say about BD Wong. Can't really say the same about <laughs> Rob Lowe. So it's probably for the best that he doesn't listen. Probably for I have the best. So, guys, I have so much to say. This is going to be wild. I've never seen the low files. I've assume, never seen the low oh, files. Oh, I assume you have seen them. No, I've you never seen You just knew it existed. I knew it existed, and I just have a, a backlog of Rob Lowe-related content. It's apparently on Amazon, and I know you're going to watch the Bigfoot episode. And there was some sort of ape. Yeah, it was a, the wood apes or something <laughs> I've never heard we're doing, of. We're doing Bigfoot, and then we're doing the other one that sort of sounded like Bigfoot. Yeah. Which is, yeah, some sort of ape. Sand ape? Wood ape? Sand ape. The Rob Lowe ape? I don't know. As an ape? It's just Rob Lowe in the costume? (laughs) It's an ape that looks suspiciously like Rob Lowe. (laughs) It's got, like, the same haircut. His sons are like, wasn't dad just here? Yeah. Where did he he go? Why is that ape wearing an NFL hat? (laughs) That's weird. I cannot wait. Yeah, it's gonna be it's oh, gonna be it's good. Gonna be so good. It's gonna be good. So you have to give us a dollar in order to to hear that, tell that me, quality content. Tell me you have something better to do with your dollar. I don't believe it. If you need that for your light bill, fine. If you really don't, you come on, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Send the dollar to us. Yeah, via Patreon. When you're when you're done dipping your fries in your shake, if you have one dollar left, actually, I found a dollar in the road today. I could literally have just picked that up, signed up for Patreon, put that dollar, went to the bank with your your one wet dollar, soggy it was dollar. literally in the snow, <laughs> and I picked it up and gave it to my husband because he loves finding money on the street so much, makes him so happy. I was like, here you go, darling. It's a Here's soggy a wet- one dollar. <laughs> he was very thrilled. Oh, well, whatever makes you happy. Anyway, we're gonna go now. Oh, but you should also follow us on social media. Oh yeah, and perhaps do. it's you. Do that. Uh, well, I'm check us out. Getting us so close to a thousand followers on Twitter. Liz does a lot better with social and media I, than I do. And I realize that's not a lot of followers. And I feel like I have fought for each one of them. Our Instagram so goes in, in fits and starts. When I have time, I'm on there posting stuff. Uh, I'm wasting time on Twitter pretending it helps the podcast in any way. It does not. But, check out but I don't care. It's at perhaps it's you. Come check on over. Out. Check us out. Uh, I'm definitely going to go follow Rob Lowe now. You should. I'm going to let him know that we're going to do a <laughs> Patreon episode. Oh no, him. don't add him. No, I am. Okay. Hi, Rob Lowe. I mean, he would have to give us a dollar to hear it, and I feel like he's probably not going to oh, do that. God. I want that dollar. I want the low dollar. I mean, I'll take Rob Lowe's dollar. Yeah, he's got it. We he's need fine. It. He's got it. We, we need, need it. We need a dollar more than we need Rob Lowe to not listen to this podcast. We need a dollar more than Rob Lowe needs a dollar. That's quite true. He's rolling around in all his parks Rob and Lowe rec has money. plenty of dollars. He could sell his NFL hat. He went to a Liz and bought an NFL he hat. to a Liz. <laughs> I would love to be working at a Liz the day <laughs> Rob Lowe came in. There was a, I can't take credit for this. There was a tweet. The reason that I saw that picture was because someone had tweeted one of those pretend interactions where you're imagining he's sure. in the lids and the teenage person working at the lids is like, 
are you sure this is the hat you want? People don't actually, it's really just for a display. Most people want a team. Like, no, I like all of the NFL. Just the structure of it. The idea of it. Also, I'm going into the woods to look for big <laughs> So you're definitely going to want to give us a dollar to hear that. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. Solve some mysteries, you bitches. Bye. Bye.